Hello. Hello. You're listening to It's a Shame. It's our podcast about shame. It's our podcast about shame. Which I just say every week, even though it's about a lot of other things too. But, you know, primarily about shame. It's totally about shame. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most of the time we have a tendency to meander, but if you're here, stay for the shame. Yes. You know, if that's your main interest in life. If your main interest is shame, (laughs) boy, have we got a show for you. Um, Yeah, it's our podcast about shame. Um, I'm Danielle Nelson. And I'm Lily Rogers. And we will be guiding you through the stratosphere, the podcast fear. Mm -hmm. Um, You're going to listen to us or not. Yeah. But here we go. (laughs) Join us in our shame space. Yeah. Um, Welcome to episode four of season three. Yeah. Trucking right along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Creeping right along. Trucking <laughs> right along with like maybe a flat tire. Um, that's kind of how it feels isn't, these days. Yeah. I was going to say, isn't everybody these days? Oh I know it's God, funny totally. because because of the weird like time is meaningless, you know, that we're all feeling. It does kind of feel like we either record like consecutively two days in a row or it's been like a month since our last recording and we it's record crazy. every week. But. I know it will time. Time is a flat circle. Mm-hmm. Um, what else have we learned? Every day is Wednesday. Every day is Wednesday. I mean, there's or in our case, every day is Tuesday. Because every day that's is Tuesday. When we publish. <laughs> I mean, Tuesday, Wednesday, it's all the same. I thought it was Tuesday for most of the day today and it's actually Wednesday. So mm-hmm. who knows? Yeah. Who, who you might know. blow my mind and be like, guess what? It's fucking Friday. And I'd be like, what? <laughs> and then to blow your mind even further, the people who are listening to this, if they listen exactly when it comes out, it's it is Tuesday. Tuesday. It's totally Tuesday. So every day is Wednesday slash Tuesday. Yeah. Um, so thanks for joining. Thanks for tuning in. If this is your first time, um, welcome. And if you're a return listener, welcome back. And as always, thank you for being our listeners. Yeah. And we if you it. feel so inclined, you can swing on over to Apple Podcasts. You can rate, review, subscribe, do a dance, raise the roof, <laughs> light a cigarette, do a shot. I mean. Let us know you're out there, basically. Yeah. Just do all those things and also hi. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks yeah. for tuning in. We like knowing you're, you're listening. Yeah. I mean, even though we would just be doing this anyway, even if you weren't. Mm-hmm. So welcome to that conversation. Yeah, welcome to the if a tree falls in a forest conversation <laughs> that normally we've been drinking much more by the time we start having that conversation. Yeah, exactly. Shall we talk about what we've been drinking? We haven't done that in a while. Oh, yeah. We used to be, you know, our, our old sponsor. Yeah, our yeah. old imaginary it's sponsor. not at all. Nobody has sponsored us. Who but... shall not be named, but you know who we should name? Huh. Is a local company that we've both been drinking quite oh, a bit of, and yes, we've yes, been yes, imbibing in a little bit of the you and yours. Yes, so delightful. You and yours, look them up. They're a San Diego distillery, women owned and run. Um, whoop, whoop. They are, besides having excellent products, their packaging is beautiful and just mindful. Pleasant. It's, it's like pleasant. mindful products. I really appreciate their their space is really lovely. If you don't live in the San Diego area. Um, take a little uh, digital tourism and check out the the building and the area mm-hmm. that they're around. It's super pretty. It's so cool. And yeah, their packaging is great. They come up with super fun cocktails in their space. Um, and, yeah. and by packaging, we mean like, so obviously they're distilleries, so they have, I think they specialize mainly in gin and vodka, gin mm-hmm. being their primary product. But then they also um, have been selling 
um, canned cocktails. So yeah. both like vodka sodas and different flavors and like gin and tonics. And, and they have like a couple of flavors that are like variations on vodka sodas. Yeah. And I mean, I, first of all, I love the, the kind of like in-house fun concoctions they come up with. And when I saw them on shelves, I got so excited that they were going to mm-hmm. like start branching out and I hope they really do well because they seem to be really lovely people. I think they're going to slay because it is. It's good. It's just the product is good. They have a really good aesthetic. They they have, it seems to have a really good work ethic. I mean, they're, they're just seem like rad people. So the, one of the owners, um, when we actually go in, it's like a distillery slash also a restaurant and they do, um, like cocktail making classes and things, but you know, she's usually there and she's just a delightful human. And so nice. I always love talking to her very and, warm, welcoming. and I have very strong hair envy because she has one of the most beautiful heads of hair that I've ever seen. <laughs> um, but she yeah, does have great hair. Yeah. She has wonderful hair. Yeah, right? she does. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> So, yeah, it's a wonderful San Diego company that I highly recommend. You and yours. Yeah. Check them out. Check them out. Um, and I highly recommend. They do a couple variations on vodka sodas, including uh, lime, tangerine, and a, a cranberry number. And I will just say this. This is high praise coming from me because I learned how to drink uh, on Cape Cod's vodka cranberry. Oh, uh-huh. And when uh, Jamie bought the vodka cranberry with soda, I thought... Ugh, like I don't know if I'm gonna like I'm gonna have immediately too, hurl yeah flashback it was nice it was like a nice little departure because yeah. it was mostly soda with just like a touch of cranberry it's not too cranberry y no it was really good my favorite is the t- I think our favorite oh, yeah. if I'm allowed to speak for you just hands down the, the best tangerine one. I think is the best one yeah they have a new Meyer lemon one coming out soon and then I think another flavor um but I really want to try the Meyer lemon because mm-hmm. I love that as a flavor and as an idea um but yeah the tangerine is just the best so anyway that's what we've been drinking Mm -hmm. and then we we ran out of the cans because we were just saying we drink them like LaCroix (laughs) um and they're not (laughs) no no they are not (laughs) tell my liver that yeah exactly um and so now we've moved on to some house-made cocktails I'm having uh some soda water some vodka and some lime yeah I'm doing Soda water, which is a soda water that I picked up on an impulse purchase while in line at Target because um, they're, you know, smart. They're like, this is what people are buying. Let's put it right in line. Um, so I ended up with a coconut um, pineapple soda water that I think might be Target brand. It's fine. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like such a hint of both of those flavors that you're like, am I just drinking down, like drinking a really watered down like tropical drink of some kind? You know, what's so funny is like, I feel like, COVID, COVID drinking, Rona drinking, whatever you want to call it. Like as soon as I see one of these new flavored soda waters at the store, I'm like, that would go good with rum. Yeah, I'm like, that 100%. looks like a tequila soda water. Like, this I'm would go even, well with rum, actually. I was, that's what I was thinking yeah. when you were saying it. That's mm-hmm. why it came to mind. Because I was like, ooh, just put a little rum in there. and um, Yeah, rum might actually add the sort of like tiki vibes that... I'm missing because I'm just mixing it with vodka and it just kind of tastes like a weird watered down <laughs> tiki drink. <laughs> yeah, that I, but it sounds yummy. I mean, I just can't do the coconut. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's nice. It's refreshing. And I think that that's kind of what we're going for these days because it's, it's the hot season again here in San Diego. It's come around again. You know what I just realized? Like, I'm really, like, if this show is, like, if someone were listening who is a professional mm-hmm. and, like... Um, interaction or improv mm-hmm. like I am I need to be more yes and 
Like, we were just talking about LaCroix, like, with soda water, and I should have been like, I know, and here's a funny story about LaCroix. And, like, I literally just tried to open a conversation with, well, I don't like that coconut. I'm just like, what the fuck were you going to do with that? It's like handing you, a, a like, a like a dull pen and being like, write something, you know? Like, oh, you know, it's, just, pencil. it's just conversation. Just conversation. <laughs> I mean... I guess at this point we should consider ourselves more professional. <laughs> Never. Yeah, I've just really. referred to us as podcasters the other day for the first time. Oh, that's exciting. You were there. Um, oh, I was. <laughs> See, I don't I listen. Say, I'm a professional <laughs> listener. No, I'm not. No, no, no. It was because we had had, uh, we've been playing games, we've been, you know, we, we were imbibing uh-huh. and you got, you. I, you'll remember, you got a kick out of it because... Someone walked by or something and I said, we were having a conversation and I'm like, oh my God, we're the stereotypical, like white person, like household. I think it was because Jamie and Stephanie were inside and they were listening to something. And now I can't remember what it was, but it was like the most like, oh, they were listening to a Prince radio ad cover and it was like blaring out of the house. (laughs) And you and I were sitting outside on the front porch Uh and we were talking about the podcast. And I'm like, that's it. They're going to ask us to leave because we're too white. We're just too white. They're going to be like, uh-uh, you, you need to go to, like, Connecticut. Because listen or to Radiohead cover. Radiohead Prince. Prince cover. And then, like, also. Blasting from the front of the house. While we're, like, and I was, like, anyway, I was, like, yeah, so we're, like, two podcasters with, like, our. <laughs> <sighs> well, that's good. I mean, we should start thinking of ourselves as podcasters more, you know? Yeah, not yet. <laughs> I feel like I've got to learn improv first. Oh, right. Well, you know, and then yes, it might and. lose its meandering charm of, you know, complete amateurism. I know. Can you imagine <laughs> if we took this seriously? <laughs> well, you know, we take it seriously. We Just, do. We do you know, take it seriously. We also have day jobs, so. Yeah. yeah. Here we are. So. Yeah. Anyway. Do you have, do you have any uh, brand new information? Yeah. So I, I do. It's kind of dark again okay i feel like a lot of my brand new information ends up being about funerals or death that's fine maybe that's just in my head but i feel like several of them have been so i was looking for brand new information actually because i don't have any like naturally occurring brand new information Mm -hmm. um because i've just been not on the internet and really not taking in new things because I'm obsessed with my paint by numbers, which is a whole other story. And I've been spending hours and hours doing that. So I haven't been taking in a lot of new information. So I was just like looking on some sites for like fun, interesting facts. And then I went down several rabbit holes. One was about Beauty and the Beast, which we can talk about some other time. Uh, you know, and then I'm already uncomfortable. (laughs) I am already uncomfortable. It's as bad as you think it is. Yeah, I bet. Um, I bet it is. bestiality at its core but anyway yeah well I guess okay I'll talk a little bit about one thing I learned about it was that originally like the original intent of it like the woman who wrote the story um she was preparing children for like lessons like life lessons or whatever Mm -hmm. but because Mm -hmm. it was so back in the day she was preparing young women for um arranged marriage Okay. Yeah, so like the whole Sounds part of that, wow, man, I wasn't even going to go into this, but I guess I am. So yeah, the whole thing was basically like uh, many arranged marriages, like they feel like they're tethered to a monster or whatever. So we mm-hmm. have to sort of like prepare them for, uh, this is her quote, an alliance that required effacing their own desires and submitting to the will of a monster. 
Great. I know, right? Fun times. But then that kind of led me oh into this God. weird spiral where I really want to like do more research about children's stories in general and like mm-hmm. what they're supposed to be teaching you. I don't know. We could do a whole episode about that. Probably. That would be super fun. Yeah. But that's not my brand new information. <laughs> but that's very interesting. Succumb to the will of the monster. Right. I mean, it's not surprising. Most of the stories, I feel like. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. It's, it doesn't end well for women. I mean. And most of the time. Most of the time. Hans Christian Andersen especially is like oh, a sadistic motherfucker. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's all sort of very classically like men are these like. Know, like princely people that you just have to see beyond the beast, and like for women, yeah, it make was so like, many exceptions for them. Please, yeah, please excuse away their behavior, but right. hold yourself to the highest accountability. Is he a bit abusive? Eh, don't worry, there's fine. a prince inside. Let's not use the word rape. He's just a monster, <laughs> and you might be in the mood and just don't know it. Exactly. You haven't been told about monster rape yet. Yeah, you'll be fine. You'll love Here. it. Put, let me put in this VHS of Beauty and the <laughs> You'll get a pretty dress out of the bargain. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll be so disassociative from the trauma that teacups will start talking to you. Because <laughs> they're your only friends. They're your only friends. All of the inanimate objects in the house. Oh, yeah. No, God. it's dark. We're making yeah. light of it. But Jesus Christ. It's, it's real dark. Yeah. So I, I kind of want... <laughs> I don't know why at some point I want to dive more into that because... My research brain wants to be like, tell me everything about everything in this realm. But that, yeah, it's a fascinating topic. Yeah, it really is. But uh, so my actual brain of information, I know very little about also because, again, it was just like, I'm just going to be looking up some stuff today. Um, So apparently, if you die alone in the Netherlands, I don't know if this is actually true, but it was true at some point. Okay. And like the articles from like... 2016 so it might have been true for like a little bit of time that they enacted i don't have any dates for if this okay. is still a thing or how long it had been going no on. i'm i'm here for this fact because i know it's going to be something major because you're like look i can't tell you specifically because i know you're going to have questions <laughs> but it's kind of a lovely fact okay which is why i was drawn to it so it's like lovely funeral facts which is i guess my jam um if you die alone there's this program in the netherlands called lonely funeral poems and so if like nobody is really going to attend your funeral or if you die anonymously or if you die family and friendless and there's no next of kin they hire a poet who will research your life and write a succinct poem about you and read it at your funeral that's really beautiful and I found that to be just so like charming and lovely and yeah I don't know I was really really like, I'm really comforting because like, wouldn't that be lovely to know that even if you know you die alone, there's just going to be somebody there who did a little bit of research as much as they could and will eulogize you. And, you know, I guess there's like pretty succinct and kind of dark, like one, there's a little quote from one of them, like, farewell, sir, without papers, without identity. What were you looking for? How much did you lose along the way? Oh my God. That could be all of us. I know. I mean, who among us? (laughs) Could not identify with that. So I just found it so lovely and charming. And like, hey, Netherlands listeners, as you know, there are tons. Let us know if this is an actual thing. 
Like, it's really lovely. I mean, I'll do some more research about it. I don't know if it was just sort of a, like a campaign that they were running for a time and, you know, then it stopped. Or if this is like really part of the culture. I don't know. Well. It's, I just learned this fact like I think it's just ago. really lovely. And, you know, Netherlands listeners or those of you who may be listening out there and they're like, yeah, that's how we do things in our country. <laughs> Just a little quick fact about how we do things at Amer- in America. Here's oh, my Lord. brand new information, I guess, since I'm piggybacking. Um, when I worked in a hospital, I was a social worker. And back when we were staffed adequately and, uh, you know, I don't work that job anymore. But when I first started, we were adequately, adequately staffed. And one of the things that we would do is if someone was dying alone and they didn't have next of kin or any family, we would kind of like page each other if we were too busy or like, but someone would try to be there. Mm -hmm. Like a social worker would like work with the doctors and the nurses to be like, when are they still going to be cognizant enough that it would be, you know, important for me to be there. And if you could be there, like when I was in the ICU, I tried to do it Mm -hmm. um, just to be with people when they passed. And like a lot of it is just learning their names, saying their name a lot, talking Mm -hmm. to them, reassuring them, that kind of thing. Um, But, you know, most in the American healthcare system, I saw the erosion of that practice entirely because we didn't have time for it. It was something that they built in for us. And it was such a really lovely, very like human dignity element. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's something that's, that's why you have social workers in a hospital. Ideally is to kind of bring that human element and take away the like, stayed medical piece but yeah. I feel like most American hospitals like it's not even a consideration oh I'm sure not social and workers are understaffed underpaid they don't have time for that yeah and I mean I, I know that like you're somebody who went like above and beyond in your job so I know that like that sort of stuff was important to you it did you ever have an experience where it was just like the people couldn't get there in time it happened a lot yeah and then it happened were they like lot. happy that somebody was there it the most common instance that it would happen where the people couldn't get there, didn't have the wherewithal or whatever, was usually homeless folks. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it was homeless veterans who, even if they had family, family was low income, family couldn't make it out to San Diego, or maybe they had cut all ties with family and family had no interest and maybe they had like a buddy that they mm-hmm. had back home. And like they, but yeah, it was, it was a nice thing to explain to them. Like, you know, social workers do that, but even in lieu of us being there, like nurses are really the ones who like Mm. take the brunt of the responsibility. Like if, if a patient dies alone, like they're there, they're in the room. And I have just seen nurses go above and beyond and they're just heroes amongst us. Like nurses and school teachers. I'm just like, I know true true heroes amongst us yeah I mean I I was asking about that actually because when my dad was dying he was alone and he was in a different state and it kind of started happening pretty suddenly and my sister and I couldn't get there in time and just so thankfully and gratefully I think I might have said this before already on this podcast but we had a family friend who used to be a pastor in our church who um lived in the same town and he was able to go and like it just it yeah. gives me so much comfort to know that like even though my dad wasn't awake and didn't you know probably he wasn't aware necessarily mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just to know that somebody was there and like 
talking to him and saying his name and praying with him and telling him that right. like your girls are coming and they want to be yeah. here and like you know just in case there was like one part yeah. of him who was listening or knew or you know that like yeah I just think that dying alone is such a sad and hard thing to grapple with because we're also afraid of that yeah. so like any amount of like and we don't know comfort in those moments seems really big yeah and we don't know enough about death like to be able to say like this is what brain death actually looks like we really mm-hmm. like you're saying like we don't know how much you're taking in or comprehending or so yeah it is important and and you know that was kind of like with the social work training we had that's what we do it was all about like basically bereavement counseling for the person where we would use their name a lot we would give the information we had about them like Mm. I you know and then like for example if I had talked to like their buddy Jerry back in Pennsylvania couldn't make it like I would Mm. just be like you know I talked to Jerry he wants to be here Jerry's with you his Mm. heart is with you you know just like that kind of thing because you just think I don't you know when I worked in the hospital setting part of the reason I couldn't do it for very long is you you know I think whether you're a nurse or any medical professional you just think like this is my sister, this is my mom, this is my partner. Like, you know, even the ones who are the biggest pains in the ass, you still try to remember that somebody's somebody. Right. You know? Well, and and I just sort of considered too, like, I mean, it never really occurred to me that there would be nurses and doctors there that would serve that role at all. So that's why we were extra grateful that that family friend could come because in my mind, it's just, like, they're just so busy doing their jobs, like you said. And it's, yeah, like, nobody's going to have time to, like, sit down. And then also, you know, my father was very religious and to have, like, a pastor there praying. Like, I just sort of feel like maybe, like, that gave a different level. But, I mean, any any kind of human, like, support and love in those moments, I think, is, is worth something. And so mm-hmm. that's why, I don't know, this fact just really stuck with me. Yeah, it was really lovely. So on that note, do you have brand new information? Yeah, I mean, I was going to use that as mine, just kind of like the, um, the I sometimes set with people who were passing away that I didn't know. Um, and yeah, I mean, while we're on the topic, I feel like I've just been jumping right on my brand new information based on whatever <laughs> you bring up lately. Um, yeah, do you have anything fun? <laughs> I do have a fun one. It's not, it's not about, about funerals. funerals dying. I was going to say, when I worked in the ICU, um, the most gnarly death I ever saw. No, we'll save that for a different episode. Maybe a Halloween episode. <laughs> it's a whole... I, we didn't do a Halloween episode, did we? Oh, we should. Maybe. We probably just talked about what we were going to be. Yeah, probably. Oh, we were were we in New Orleans? Yes. Boy, Halloween yeah. might look different this year. Oh, I don't want to think about it. Let's not think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Deflect. Yeah, Deflect. Exactly. Um, It'll be fine. Yeah, uh, my brand new information this week uh, is essentially, so, you know, feeling a little landlocked, and mm-hmm. I've been thinking about, like, creative ways that we could travel Um, And I was thinking about public art and how this would be a great time to maybe go to the Southwest or somewhere like that and just take in like these kind of like rolling landscapes, you know, because it's the middle of summer and that's a pleasant time (laughs) to be in the desert. So um, I was thinking maybe early fall. And so I was looking at Marfa. I've always wanted to go. Mm -hmm. And uh, I started reading, doing research, and I realized that the population of Marfa is so small that since coronavirus and, you know, COVID, kind of came to town. Um, sorry, I'm trying to, 
I calm my dog. Um, she may or may not go off. We'll see. <laughs> She's this, just testing the waters right now. This is the the risk that we run when we podcast from my house. Um, so I read this article that was essentially like, um, basically, in short, they are like, tourism keeps us alive. We love it. But mm. the population of our town is so small that... If someone were to get it, because there's so much interaction between us, like the town could suffer many fatalities Mm -hmm. as a result because it would spread so fast. And also because Marfa is one of those towns where I think there's like a lot of transient people. And I didn't realize how many wealthy people fly in with like private jets and like movers and shakers. And this article was written um, in The Atlantic. They like had cited some examples that like even shortly before COVID, like I guess or I don't know if it was shortly before, but Beyonce popped in. Heidi Klum would regularly, like, have her jet fly in. And, like, huh. just, yeah, I guess it's, like, a getaway for the... the okay. The, I think that the writer put it, like, handsome L.A. couples. Okay, <laughs> like, all right, all right. Um, I mean, I guess so that like, makes sense. that scene... Um, Did they all think that the Prada is real or something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a Prada in the desert. Turns out the Prada is a lie. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was like, okay. And then when I started reading about how... You know, a lot of the restaurants and local businesses are closed because they realize that once people go start coming in, it could spread very quickly in the town. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to prevent that. And I was like, wow, you know, I hadn't even considered the danger of traveling right now to small towns yeah. and interacting, you know, because so much has changed. Like this idea of like, oh, we'll just drive through these towns. They'll be happy to have us. And mm-hmm. it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know if they will. Yeah. I mean, you know, these are tiny, tiny little knit communities Yeah, where, you know. It could be very dangerous for everybody mm-hmm. because, yeah, there are so few people. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's all the stuff that you don't consider that you have to start considering and it's Ugh, it's insane because I mean those are the types of places where you feel like you would go to feel safe, right? Yes. Like small communities and little towns out kind of in the middle of nowhere. Right. And, and well, I mean, safe we're responsible in some ways, I for like wearing masks and like, but like for example, there's a place that I really want to go there called Planet Marfa, and I've heard from people who've gone that it's really lovely and they have like a big open beer garden in the back and it's like mostly outdoors. I've seen some photos and I'm like, oh, that sounds, and I, so what I envisioned in my mind was we stay for a couple days, like maybe two or three nights. And, you know, I was like, we get there, we get like hang out there in the evenings. But then I'm like, but imagine if there's like 50 of me right there that night and not everybody's mm-hmm. been wearing a mask. Not everyone's been socially distancing. You know what? I, I get, I get the concern. And, yeah. And I think that I hadn't even considered that. That was just like, right. Yeah. Like that's really dangerous and irresponsible of me. Well, I mean, good on them for kind of setting some boundaries and guidelines. I mean, I think that (laughs) since we're not getting it from many places these days, it's good for communities to just kind of set their rules and say like, this is how we're going to interact with this. And this is how, you know, Mm -hmm. and like, and it's also kind of interesting to hear about like a community that's tight knit enough to kind of all agree on the rules right and like the community rules together yeah um that's interesting 
Well, Marfa, we, we wish you well. We wish we you will well, not Martha. be visiting anytime soon. Also, there was a detail in that article that made me just really feel for you guys. And I just want to be there when you guys get off work one night and buy you all around a shots and just be like, fuck that noise. Apparently, it is common because people just think of it as a resort town mm-hmm. that people will very often just go out in their hotel robes. Is that not the tackiest, uh, shittiest thing you've ever heard? Oh, I hate that. Isn't that awful? Because you know it's the motherfucker staying somewhere where they have a hotel room. Right. So they're just like, they're just oh, like, oh what I does it matter? For, for the weekend. Like, I'm just going to wear it's this. It's all to the my bar. backyard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was so gross. And I was like, oh, that's so shitty. You no. just know the worst people. Put in some the clothes world. on for fuck's sake. Put people. some clothes on. Put some damn tourists clothes on. in Marfa. <laughs> Marfa. The PSA is, please wear some damn clothes. And for those of you who that that brand new information was a little too heady for, I'll give you something. Check out this article in The Atlantic, I guess. It really got to me. <laughs> Heidi Klum took a cat when she left that may or may not have belonged to a resident. That tracks. Yeah, right? Because it yeah. was like brushing up against her ankles at yeah. dinner. I have this secret um, theory that Heidi Klum is a sadist. <laughs> I love this theory, by the way. <laughs> Have I told you this? <laughs> well, because like here's the thing, I started watching the new um her new one with Tim Gunn. I don't uh, remember what it's called. It's not <laughs> I almost called it the new thread. It it's it's something. Future fashion. No, that's the one with Tan France. I don't know. It's it's one of those. And it's a pretty good show, but Sew Me Something with Heidi Klum. It yes. Sew me something. <laughs> Sew me something. Sew me something new. It's actually a really funny name for a, a fashion show. Um, yeah, no, but like she just like weirdly, and she kind of did it on Project Runway too, but it's more apparent in this one. She just delights in watching people squirm when they're like uh-huh. judging their stuff. Like you can see the glee that she gets from like really like tearing them down. And I'm like, she doesn't like people. And she uh-huh. likes to see them squirm. Yeah. I, I could see that. I could see that. At least that's how it's edited. I mean, yeah. if anybody knows Heidi Klum personally, yeah. well, let me know. But she seems a bit of a sadist Also, to me. did she steal that cat? And, and also, her. yeah, is she the type of person who just would randomly be like, this cat wants to come with me. I don't care about who it might belong to. <laughs> if you know Heidi Klum, <laughs> we know of a missing cat. And we could maybe do some detective work and get that cat back to its rightful owners and Marfa. Maybe. Allegedly. We don't know. Oh, there's so much going on in Marfa. I know. Bring no information. Yikes. So, yeah. I mean, if you ever go to Marfa, anybody as as a tourist, maybe behave yourself better than Heidi Klum does. Yeah. Maybe, like, don't steal other people's pets and don't wear your bathrobe. Yes. Which just seems like common sense, but apparently not. Apparently not. A lot of things seem like common sense and, you know, you read the news and watch the news lately and you're like, ah, I guess people don't know that. Or they do and they've just chosen to ignore it. That's true too. Yeah. Should we get to today's topic? Yes. Today's topic. Um, Yeah. So it's, uh, again, we are, we are discussing body related issues, um, what? You know, I know it's so weird that two women in America would have these. Fucking We'd have so much to say with our bodies. Um, but this one is more along the lines of public versus private bodies. And you know, when we were thinking about it, we were like, "What are some of the ways that 
you know, we've experienced kind of not really necessarily wanting our bodies on display or having to grapple with when they are um, and kind of dealing with the when it's out of your hands almost um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. kind of like having to immediately shift and like tamp down some of the body shame that you feel when it wasn't really your choice. Yeah. Like you're in a situation like where you, your body is immediately like the thing that comes to mind is like, m- like a medical emergency. Yeah. We'll probably be talking a lot about that. Yeah. <laughs> so like medical, em- like let's start there. Yeah. Medical yeah. emergencies, like where you, I mean, it doesn't even have to be an emergency. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. You go into the doctor. I mean, especially the OBGYN. Um, you go in to get that pap smear. Boy, what a fun time. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they immediately, they sit you down. Hopefully, they're nice to you. And then they say, um, <laughs> yeah, here's a robe. Put it on. Opens to the front. Uh, 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 uh. And I'm just like, I don't like that. I don't like that it opens to the front. But it does allow me... <laughs> To wrap it as though it were a hotel robe. <laughs> that you would wear like, out in Marvel. And I've been like, may I take this out to the bar tonight? Maybe in your mind gown? to like tamp down the discomfort, you should just consider that you're in Marfa and you might be wearing it to dinner later. <laughs> or I should just start bringing my own hotel robe with oh me my God. to the doctor. Oh. I show up with my own okay. cloth. Is robe. that one of the most disgusting things you could do? Or is that kind of a baller move? Yeah, go I mean, to the like, OB mm-hmm. and like I have my own robe. Thanks. I'm just like that high threat count. Don't agree with my skin, <laughs> so I brought my terry cloth, Egyptian. Or it would, it, it, more accurately, it would be like I know how this one closes. Like, yes, I, this one has strings, holes, buttons, and snaps. I'm comfortable with how this one actually covers my body. Yeah. Also, it's heavy, which is nice. Yeah. Because I need a little bit of comfort. That's my comfort robe. You can have like a comfort service animal. Why not have a comfort OBGYN robe? Yeah, I one hundo. Like I've I've I don't I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast or not, but I posted one time on um uh many, many moons ago on on Instagram that I leave if I was wearing boots or some kind of shoe and I would leave my socks socks on. on. Yeah, I'd leave my socks on at the OBGYN because I'm like you're going to see my vagina. Like, my feet's going to cost you extra. <laughs> you I know? love like, that. Yeah. What if they... Like, uh, no. Yeah. No. You I'm never like, know the sneaky foot fetishists. That's... Well, it's, it's less <laughs> that. It's more just like, I feel cozy in my socks. Mm-hmm. But then there is that element, though. I mean, I make jokes, but there's that element of shame where it's like, my shoes have been in my boots and do my feet smell bad? And it's yeah, yeah. And your feet are going to be close to them also. That's right. They're all down up in there. And then like, you're like, oh, are they making judgment calls about this tattoo or this scar or that I've put on weight since I was last here or that I've, you know, like any number of things that have been rolling around in your head. And you're like, suddenly I have to get a pap smear because I'm having crazy weird vaginal discharge or because like I'm having this shooting pain and god damn it is the endometriosis shit back again or right right whatever it is so you have to be there uh-huh. unfortunately and then yeah there you are yeah. with the gown opening to the front the gown <laughs> the gown the way from this hospital gown <laughs> I'm like I don't see satin yeah, anywhere exactly. don't you dare tell <laughs> me this is a gown <laughs> how dare you put on In this mid-green. like uncomfortable paper feeling sheet Mm-hmm. basically yeah I mean if yeah I it, I never considered being able to keep my socks on for some reason which is such a good idea because I'm always cold and I think that that could help 
Um, for sure. And then maybe it's just like wear your comfiest socks or something and have a little bit of something that on your body that feels comfortable and good yeah. when you're in this very awkward position. But here's the thing. And maybe a lot of people don't have like the same level of anxiety about that sort of stuff that you or I might um where it would be really nice to have sort of a manual about that or like maybe just a little sign that says like if you're comfortable you can keep your socks on or you can take them off yeah. this is how the robe goes on and they never say like it goes- strip down to your comfort like no. i've had them tell me before like we're not doing a mammogram so like from the belly button down right they don't mention socks they never yeah well like socks didn't come up i'm like do you i mean i don't think they need me to have them off for medical <laughs> reasons but i'm like well it just seems strange and usually i preferred i like dresses there were a lot of dresses uh-huh. so i'm like what is so then and then it do feels I even weird. need to take the dress off? And then it's like, wait, do I, <laughs> I just hike, hike it up? up or like I don't know, like yeah, yeah. I just I don't. I I'm very uncomfortable at the doctor. I'm very uncomfortable being naked around people I don't know, and that is one of the most distressing ones. It's mm-hmm. like when they're like, just take your clothes off, and and then also yeah. you're like, where do I leave them? Do I just like pile them in this chair like a lot of places yes. maybe I just don't go to like fancy doctors it's not like they have a basket for you to put your shit in they're just or, sort like, of like hangers here's a hook maybe yeah no I always fold it weirdly on the chair yeah and have that's to what hide I do my underwear I, yeah I put my underwear in my purse yes me too and I fold it up weird yeah put it in my purse yeah and then like every time the newest item with my doesn't socks. have pilling on it I put on the top <laughs> so it's like I'm not a trash person mine that's not covered in cat hair goes right on top impossible <laughs> Well, all mine are covered in dog hair, underwear included. It's just a way of life for me. Yeah, like so. OBGYN is a is a really great place to start because that is the most uncomfortable when you're just sort of like I I don't want you to see my vulva and no. inside my vagina. I really am not interested in, down. in you doing that. Scoot down. Scoot down always Scoot because down. I am not person like my entire Relax. body is clenched way Scoot up. down. I and fucking I'm- can't stand that. I had one tell me one time. <clears throat> she, I think I've said this on the podcast before too, but she was like trying to take the speculum out. Speculum, that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. She's trying to take it out. It's not budging. And she's like, you're going to have to relax or you're going to have to take this home with you. And you know she's like, used that on many people of course, too. It's of like course, her line. Of course. But then she, I, I guess I wasn't relaxing enough for her to get it out. So she used her uh, second line of defense, which was just real bitchy. She was like, you're clenching so hard. I can see the dimples in your butt. No, 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 no. And I was like. No, And she's like, no. you got to stop dimpling. And then she kind of poked me a little. And I was like, that is not helping that's me relax. Like, that's in what universe did you think that this was going to make me feel like, yeah, she's cool. I feel very chill with what's going on right now. My favorite. I was like, please don't describe my butt cellulite. <laughs> well, you're trying to yank something out of my vagina. But because who doesn't clench their ass when someone literally like, <laughs> needles at your butt? It's like, it, it's like secondary nature. Like you're just going to clench your butt cheeks. That's what's going to happen. If somebody pokes at your butt, loosen up. Loosen exactly. Up. And you're like, yeah. I'm going to absolutely do the opposite of that. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. They're always like, scoot down, relax. And then usually what I do to relax is there's usually some horrible art on above the yeah, bed. Like always. it's like people cl- flying a kite. Or not people. There's normally not people in it. Thought, <laughs> it's it's a like a nature scene. A kite flying in the wind, which is 
how I feel psychologically at the OBGYN. I'm, like, I'm not tethered tight. Um, but like, no, I like try to look at it and I'm just like, this is so shitty. And like, I go into like a mental takedown of, of art like, critique. Art. Yeah. I go into like a hard <laughs> art critique. And then I start thinking about like, what would be appropriate to have up there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I really think that would be like a place where some bad ass female empowerment. Oh, 100%. Stuff. Like you're like, the, why like, isn't there what strong muscle you have you know like just yeah. like yeah or like positive body image messaging or even humor like yeah. a little humor goes a long way totally. at the OBGYN yeah totally I mean I guess maybe they want to keep it like neutral so that you know nobody's offended so therefore nobody is either relaxed either yeah um a but, friend to everyone is a friend to no one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but it would, be, it would be so helpful at least to have just some sort of like instruction because they're just like they they see it all the time. They do it all the time. They deal with it all the time. But for people who like go infrequently or never fucking learned, it's like what is the appropriate protocol for removing your clothes, wearing the it's not a gown, the trash bag. Mm-hmm. Um we you know, really need to come up with a term for that gross old thing. Yeah. It's like a, it's so scratchy and you yeah. never want to wear it. You Ugh. never want to wear it. And I'm just like, why? Like, why can't I just, and they're like, you know, I'm sure they're like, you know, cause we know you're modest. And I'm like, modest, I'm getting ready to put my vagina four inches <laughs> from your nose. Like, and <laughs> you're going to smell my sock feet. So we're close now. We're tight. Can I just, yeah, I'll wear my own long t- shirt. And just be able to keep my my long t-shirt on. (laughs) Or my own bathrobe. Or my own bathrobe. Yeah. Yeah. Bring your own bathrobe. Just, you know, hey, since they don't tell you the rules, maybe next time, ladies, people with vaginas, when you go to the OBGYN, Bring your own robe. See we what they do. Revolt and demand See what the hell they do. Robes, actually, now that I'm <laughs> thinking about it. I'm like, the fact that we have to have a pap smear. I, if men had to have a pap smear, they would have. I mean, they would be like, here's a warmer for your penis. And <laughs> also, your like, penis. your lower back. You make it uncomfortable. <laughs> Four minutes on this. Like, here we go. Like, with us, they're just, just like, think of mammograms. Like, yeah, put your boo between these two, two pieces slabs. of glass. Yeah, like, we haven't just, been able to come up with anything better yeah it's just it's crazy i mean i could do this all day yeah i mean i think that medical places are are definitely the worst and it's it's one of those things too where you know you can kind of prepare yourself when you have like a private appointment for instance but uh you have talked about and i have talked about at least with each other i don't know if we've brought it up on the podcast like when it was more of an emergency situation and our bodies were on display in ways that made us very very uncomfortable yeah it's crazy how, like, when you're raised with a certain level of uh, modesty mm-hmm. that's, like, associated with femininity, don't show that, don't do that, like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, just think, I mean, whether you're male or female, a lot of people, you know, that I know have gotten things from their parents about, like, when you're little, like, always have clean underwear, what if an accident happens Yeah, 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 yeah. And totally. the implication there is, like, because the doctors are going to be judging you if you have shit-stained underwear. You know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. so the implication is already there. I think it's, like, a cultural thing. Like, we just don't talk about it. It's, like, doctors are judging you. Yeah. Like, they're judging your hygiene. They're judging, like, if you're going to go... It's just like when people go to the dentist. I mean, it is a courtesy to brush your teeth ahead of time. (laughs) But I do think like when we're with professionals in that setting, there is this thing where you want to like 
prepare yourself. Yeah. You want to kind of be, and when you're in a situation where it is a medical emergency, um, a couple years ago, I was, um, I have supraventricular tachycardia, which is, it doesn't happen very often, but basically what it is, is, um, sometimes my heart will just beat super, super fast, like over, um, 200 beats a minute. Like it's insane. Mm. And yeah, it, it's nuts. And it, it happens like Scary. once every six, seven years. It's happened to me a handful of times in my life. It's very scary. Mm-hmm. Um, it's lasted anywhere from like 45 minutes to over an hour. Hey, scary, no, scary. You. Yeah. And then it just stops. So I've seen cardiologists about it. And because, you know, they always give me the monitors to wear, they never found anything. They're always like, oh, like you have a sinus arrhythmia. And I'm like, what does that mean? They're like, it just means a normal, a, a normal abnormal heartbeat. And I'm like, okay, okay great. <laughs> um, but they're like for the, the SVT, the supraventricular tachycardia, like they taught me some techniques like grunt or like, like try to like, re- like, um, hmm. You can, like, try to reset your heart. Anyway, I'm in San Francisco. I haven't had breakfast. I am walking up a hill toward breakfast and my heart. And I can't tell at first because my heart starts beating really fast. And, like, why well, I'm walking uphill and I'm lazy as fuck. And I had, like, 500 wines last night, like, glasses <laughs> of wine. And we get to the top of the hill, take a break, take a breath. It doesn't stop. Panic. I try to explain to Jamie, like, what's happening. Because it doesn't happen often enough that I would ever even tell him about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's in the back of my mind, like, hey, this random thing happens to me. So he... I, this is I his first time experience. Yes. Uh-huh. And I don't know what I look like when it's happening. And I'm stressing out so much that, like, I'm like, uh, like, uh, just kind of... And he's like, you... He's like, you're... um. He's like, I can see that you're visibly shaking with your heart. Like my body was moving, like my yes. heart was pounding that heavily. Mm. So he's like, what should we do? And like, this is how scared, this is how scared I was. I was so scared. Like I was trying to put a Xanax under my tongue. Like a psychiatrist had taught me years ago. Like if you're having like an, an acute panic attack, mm-hmm. you can like crush up Xanax, put it under your tongue and it immediately gets in your blood system. Huh. So I was trying to do that. And like my heart was beating so fast. Like I couldn't even... Long story short, we call an ambulance. I'm like, I'm going to die mm. because I've always been in situations before where, like, I wasn't in a city I didn't know that well. Right. I wasn't on a street corner. Right. I was lucky enough to have typically been, like, at home or in a situation where I felt comfortable or I knew what to do. And I could, like, be cozy until I figured it out. Well, we called 911 because I'm like, I don't, I can't walk. Like, I can mm. barely, like, sit. I'm breathing. My heart is beating so fast. I'm having, like, trouble, like exerting any energy Mm -hmm. so we call the ambulance they come and um the emts it's a three men and these are like big big like burly dudes you know and so jamie sits in the front and i'm in the back and i just remember like i was so panicked and so worked up that i was literally like am i gonna die like i remember asking him that like Mm -hmm. am i gonna die like i was so scared but I have an acute memory of when they were trying to put monitors on me. They didn't want to move me. And um, I was, again, hospital social worker. And I was like, are you going to cut my bra off? Because sometimes if you're a trauma admit, they'll just cut your clothes right up the middle because they don't want to move you. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of women who go into hospitals and have their clothes cut are always like, did they fucking cut my bra? That was my only good <laughs> it was bra. a very expensive yes. bra. <laughs> and, and I feel you sisters. And it was like, it wasn't one of my favorite bras. So I remember saying, I'm like, if you need to cut my bra off, like, this is like a grandma bra. Like, I don't even wear this one that much. And I 
I, I went from like, am I going to die to explaining to, to strangers that they could like yeah. cut my bra because it was a grandma bra and like. But then you're also having to, or not having to, but it's crazy how strong, I, I think it's an, an element of shame is where that would come into your mind when yes. like you're worried about your own health and well-being Survival. and life. So that I mean, you would also in those moments be like, I'm very worried about like the state of my bra right now. Like, yes. and, and like the state of it as being judged by others, not like yes. worried about it getting ruined or yes. whatever. And it wasn't until, cause I was just like, it was just so strange that I was like, Oh my God, like, am I going to die? Like, huh, I'm scared. And they're like doing their best or whatever. And then I'm like, I don't know if you're going to have to cut my bra off, but you can cut this. Like it's a grandma bra. Like it's not even a good one. Like, Oh, like in fact, like, I'm sorry about my bra. It's kind of weird. And they were just like, Ma'am, like, we're not looking at your bra. And I was just, it's just like, what is wrong? Like, later, yeah. not in the moment. Right, but right, later, right. like, yeah. what is wrong with me? That was so, like. I know. Well, I mean, I think that that's just, like, very, like, that's how deep that sort of shit goes. Mm-hmm. Like, that it would even occur to you in that moment to be, like, these are men who I don't know. And they're going to see me in a vulnerable state of undress. Yeah. And, and also there's something wrong with my underwear. And what your bra looks yeah, like. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then yeah. you're like it's, suddenly, and they're like It's a protective you. layer gone. It is. And that's already a hard thing to deal with when you're having a medical emergency where you're, you're like, all you, you feel want fragile is to feel already. Exactly. Yeah. You're just kind of like, and I feel like that was a common thing, like, um, too, I brought up like the hospital a lot tonight, but like um, that I saw with women who were trauma mm. admits, they would often talk about their clothes or things, yeah. or I cannot tell you how many women, never a man, but how many women I've met who had uh, a broken ankle or, or had some kind of cast on their foot mm-hmm. and always tried to make jokes with me about their pedicure. pedicure. Oh my God. And I was just like, and I probably would have done the same thing though. Yeah. I, I mean, you're staring at your foot that much. Yeah. But I'm just like, there's this different expectation on women's bodies. Yeah. I mean, I, so my earliest medical emergency that I remember was, um, you know, when my appendix ruptured when I was in high school, I've definitely talked about that before, but I think that one of the things that stuck the strongest with me was feeling so much shame and embarrassment over, um, first of all, getting a pap smear in front of my dad, which multiple pap smears in front of my dad, which was very uncomfortable because the stupid woman who was atten- or like working on me, whatever, mm-hmm. kept thinking I had an ectopic pre- pregnancy, even though I kept insisting that I was a virgin. She wouldn't believe me. Anyway, I already talked about that. Anyhow, but I, re- I remember very, very strongly before they put me under looking around and there was like a bunch of, well, the surgeon and then a bunch of like young men standing over me Mm -hmm. and nobody told me that that was going to happen so I got really Mm. scared and I remember thinking like they're going to see me naked and it it, would have been really nice if somebody like even though I was in such a state of like pain and like delirium basically because I was in so much pain I was still aware enough that it would have been really nice to have somebody say like this is what's going to happen this is a teaching hospital. There are going to be, like, people here. But yeah. don't worry. They're professional people. And they're, like, here to take care of you. Instead of just, like, suddenly there were, like, a bunch of young men standing around me. And yeah. I didn't fucking know who they were or why they were there. Like, yeah. I'm sure. In my, like, I was smart enough to know, like, okay, these are. But I was like, why are there so many? And, like, they're going to see. I'm like, 
they're going to see the inside of you too, Lily. So maybe you'd be less concerned about the outside. <laughs> but then I remember, I'm less concerned about the inside, weirdly. Yeah, no, I guess me too. It's all the same in there, right? Um, but yeah, then, then waking up, and again, one of my first thoughts was, oh, like some stranger shaved my vagina um. while I was under, and I had no idea what my body was doing or like what that was like for them yeah you know I, I remember being very embarrassed because like I was a virgin and very few people had seen me naked at that point and yeah. it was like and one of- not my choice and when you're passed out and mm-hmm. like I just remember waking up and just being feeling so much shame over like and then the surgeon coming in and he was a very attractive man my mom had a big crush on him sorry mom I'm calling you out um <laughs> He's a very attractive surgeon. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, he was. I remember seeing him for the first time without his mask on when he came to visit me, and I was just like, You've seen me naked. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like, yeah. And especially when you're just not very comfortable with your own body at that point. 100%. And, And you're still human. Yeah. I mean, and they try to, like, reassure you and, you know, like, just. Make you, but it's like, oh, just like the guys with the bra and the ambulance. They're like, ladies, we, like, don't, we care. don't care. You know, <laughs> right. you know how many bras we see every day? And I mean, as somebody who has worked in healthcare, like, it's true. You know what? They see so much shit. Like, yeah. the true professionals. And they're just in the job right then. They're That's not right. like looking right. around going, care. like, let's check out. It's just a piece of what fabric that's in the this? way of like where they've got to put that thing. Yeah. Like, it's not even a grandma bra. It's just like. But even then, just like, I think just being exposed in general. Like, I, I would never choose to take off my clothes in front of people. And so the times when it's happened where you have to and mm-hmm. you have to stand like somewhat less clothed than you would like to be. I mean, it's funny because uh, an ex of mine who was um, a bit of an asshole um, once told me, he was like, you, you, you dress very modestly. And I had never really considered it before. And I was like, I guess that I do. Like, I don't wear cleavage showing shirts and I don't wear shorts. I don't wear short skirts like I do because I, I'm, I feel. Can you imagine if you'd been like, so do you. Yeah, guess what? <laughs> uh actually they didn't um but yeah I don't know so I think that like I do I do dress in a way that is very much like um comforting for me because I like to feel cozied up and comfortable and I I don't like feeling yeah exposed and I don't even to your comfort yeah and it's it's not even necessarily about like shame about what my body looks like more than it is I just like my body being my own and I don't like it held up for public scrutiny absolutely and I think that sometimes when your flesh is showing it leads more to people just kind of having random passing thoughts about it you know and I'm like I don't want that yeah you want to have control. It's your body. You get to have control over it to the extent you're able. Yeah. Right? People will view you. They will take you in. They, you know, will um, make assessments and judgments and whatever yeah. based on. So it's like you dress and you have a limited, limited um, control yeah over your own like ability to help uh, to like control how people perceive you right sorry that was like really tricky no yeah no I, I mean do you know what I'm saying yeah though? like totally like, y- 
you, there are so few things that you have control over that you can feel like my body is on display every time I leave the house. Right. right? Like, right. right. I, and like clothing is like a huge thing with that, like deciding what you want to do. And like, and that's really a huge issue and something I think about a lot and have for God, since I was a kid, like as a woman, like so much shame you get for like when you aren't quote unquote modest or you should be more modest. Right. As I got older, like, you know, one of the things that I was encouraged to do by women who were older than me and women who were my own age, women in general, I guess I should say, is to shame women who felt comfortable showing their bodies. Showing skin. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, oh, she must be whatever, like, Mm -hmm. because she's, and then it wasn't until I was older that I was like, no, she, she gets to be a person, however yeah. she decides to be. Mm-hmm. And if you're uncomfortable with it, that's your problem. Absolutely. That's not her problem at all. Well, and everybody has different levels of comfort, you know. Yes. And, and mine probably stem from a lot of things. Generally, I just like to be cozy. I don't like wind on me. But also, I think that there is there is an aspect of, of just sort of I don't want to be looked at. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to feel like I'm the object of, of, I guess, visual scrutiny, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. Like, even the other, like, so sometimes our friends will just, like, comment nicely about each other's bodies, like, mm-hmm. and whatever. Mm-hmm. And, like, so the other day, one of our friends was like, your butt looks really cute in those pants. And I was like, thank you. But it was, like, kind of a group, and I was like, okay, no, look at me. <laughs> like, even that amount yeah. of, like, knowledge that other people are kind of assessing what I look like, for some reason, makes me very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. I'm sure there's a lot to unpack there. But I think that, like, that's why, like, everybody's comfort level sh- is is very different and should be considered. And when it's kind of taken out of your hands, especially from, like, public comments or I think it's kind of a violation a little bit. Not in that, not that wasn't a violation, but I mean, I think that it can lead to that. Well, I think too, like, it's very hard. Like, I, I feel like I'll spend the rest of my life trying to just view my body myself and not always trying to view it through the lens of, of someone who is hypercritical or someone who could take me in on the street and what they would think. Like Mm -hmm. I would, you know, like I'm, I've just, for the last, I'm just basically, in short, tired of looking into mirrors and being not nice to myself. Yeah. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, that's not my voice. Like, the negative things that are coming through, like, that's not me talking to me. That's something else. And so I think, like, I think you're hitting on something really, really powerful, which is that even if somebody says, like, your your butt looks really good in those (laughs) jeans, like, they mean it as something, like you know, a compliment, but then it's like, I've now opened up the room to assess whether or not they think your butt looks cute in the jeans. Right. And then maybe other people sitting around who are wearing jeans are like, I need to get new jeans. You know, like (laughs) it's just, it becomes this very dangerous game because so much of our bodies are about, as women, we're kind of almost trained, like you should be prepared and ready to present for public consumption. Right. Well, and I think that the, like, more that I've tried to sort of educate myself and um, reframe what I consider to be beautiful and what I consider to be, um, like, acceptable body types, a.k.a. all body types are acceptable body types, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I just know that 
a lot of people don't think that way. I mean, our friends excluded. I really don't feel that way about any of the people who we know. But I know that just societally, like, in large, there are just these certain standards and certain things that people are like, oh, like, that's kind of a flaw. And it Mm -hmm. just... And it's not like... I mean, I, not like I shouldn't just be like, hey, whatever. I'm comfortable with all my flaws. Fuck you. If you think they're flaws, like all of that, you know, you can work toward that and, you know, on my way to that. But at the same time, there are there are feelings that, like the wider world around would be like, oh, <laughs> like, why is she why is she wearing that? Because yeah. clearly oh, her body she was not made shouldn't. for something like she that. She shouldn't. Some people shouldn't wear those tops. Right, right, Some right. Some people shouldn't. And it's like. Who the fuck are you to tell anybody what to do? And, you know, like, right. yeah, but I, I do think, like, that's also part of the being out in general. Like, you, again, like, you're a woman, like, you're, you know, um, it's just, I go back to that uh, Stop stop Telling Women to Smile campaign where she's yeah. like, women are not seeking your validation. Yeah. And, like, you know, I have that, I got the shirt. And, like, I feel like that I'm, that's something I'm screaming to myself all the time, though, is, like, you're not seeking anyone's validation. Right. Like, you don't have to please anybody but you. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't owe anything to anyone. You don't owe thinness to them. Ugh. You don't owe prettiness to them. Mm-mm. You don't owe a thigh gap to them <laughs> or, um, you know. Yeah. No, I know. I think, I don't know exactly what it is necessarily. It just, because a lot of the time you're never going to know what people are thinking and mm-hmm. Thank God for that. But at the same time, there's just something about feeling like you're on display in a way. I mean, in some ways, I would be very comfortable with that. If people were looking at me and being like, oh, that girl looks like a fucking goth, crazy ass (laughs) bitch, witch from hell, I would be like, yeah, (laughs) yes, I do. You're like, goal achieved. (laughs) But if they're like that girl's, like, ankles run weirdly to her calf, I would be uncomfortable, and I don't know why. Yeah. So do you think, like, part of the dressing modestly is, like, an attempt to thwart any anybody from, like, like if you can cut them off at the pass, they won't even have time to think it kind of a thing? Like, if it's covered, like... Just don't look at me. Just don't look at you, yeah. You know? Yeah. Keep, keep... Your eyes away. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, don't have thoughts about what I look like. Yeah. Just don't. Mm-hmm. They're gonna. I know. I know. It's human nature. And you're gonna. Of course. About them. You know, everybody does yeah. that. Yes, of course. But I think that there's just sort of this this part that's like, I don't know, if you're not, I don't know. I don't know what it is necessarily. I just think that people are just too quick and apt to take a gander and then have opinions about other people's bodies. And it's like, Mm -hmm. maybe don't. Yeah. Maybe just be like that person is being themselves and that's who they are and whatever. And I have no thoughts about what the fuck their body looks like right now. (laughs) Yeah. Cause I think that fuck that shit. I think that it's like a, a thing that kind of like starts at home. You know what I mean? Like it has to start like internally, with each one of us. And I feel sometimes like when I'm 
less judgmental of other people. Like I'm less judgmental of myself. Yeah, totally. When I'm more accepting of other people, like I'm more accepting of myself. And, you know, like I, I, as I've gotten older, like I've tried to get away from descriptors that are like, um, it, and sometimes it's just like what you're exposed to. It's like a way of talking about people's bodies. That's incredibly, Oh, she's the one with like the bigger nose or like, she's the one with like the, Mm -hmm. and like, it just becomes interesting, like listening to myself and like people around me, like trying to talk about bodies. And I, and I, I don't have a judgment call about this either way. Like I just, I think language is fascinating, but I do think it's interesting. Like how we talk about other people is really a reflection of how we see ourselves. Mm Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's another problem is that I I think trust issues. I just don't trust other people to be <laughs> as kind about their thoughts toward me as I am to myself. It's yeah. weird because I like I'm really not that down on myself. I mean, I definitely get that way where I'm like, I wish that this were different, and I definitely feel too overweight right now and like I don't like that my pants aren't fitting or I wish that like you know this wasn't muffin topping or that this part of my face wasn't like sagging in this way all of that shit that that's totally normal but I feel like for the most part I'm pretty nice to myself Mm -hmm. and I guess I just keep that private (laughs) yeah and I think well and too like the crazy thing you know about like going out into the world and you know, you and I talk about this little quote a lot, but like what other people think of me is none of my business, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I try to do that. I've been trying to do it, especially like a lot during COVID because I like will leave and like I have an hour or two break between clients and I'm just like, okay, I need to like run to Target or like whatever. And then like I have the mask on and I like I'll run into myself and like I run into myself in a mirror. I mean, <laughs> and like I see myself and I'm like not really wearing underwire bras anymore. And like, and I just will like make a judgment call about myself across the room looking mm. in the mirror at Target or whatever. And I'm just like, oh my God, what have you become? And then I'm like, what are you, stop, what are you doing? Like yeah. you're out, you're functional, you're running errands, stop. Yeah. And also like, what does this serve to do like a takedown of yourself right now? What purpose? What's the payoff here? Yeah. So you can feel shitty on the drive home. Yeah. Let's just so feel shittier feel about small. something else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just so crazy. Well, and I mean, and then there's the people who kind of run exactly the opposite. And I'm fascinated by these people who, you know, will post images of their bodies online and and be much more like open and free about you know, not wearing clothes and and all of that sort of stuff. Like, I find that great and fascinating, but it's a completely different way than how I kind of like go about. Yeah. I don't know. I I think it's, it's, it's interesting because I'm like, fuck yes, embrace your body. And like, if you want to show it off, like, fuck yes, show it hell off. Like, that must be wonderful. But I don't think that I would get a good validation from that. Even if people were very kind, even if people were like, damn, you're looking hot or whatever, loving it. Because I would just be like, stop looking at me. Yeah. And I think like a lot of like the the people who um, have like bodies that we don't really see reflected in media, a lot of the people who have like instagrams that are kind of like like the body positive movement mm-hmm. and that kind of thing it's mm-hmm. like these are the bodies we don't see but that most of our bodies look like mm-hmm. and i really have to say like um it, 
like when I started like following more women like on Instagram who looked like me. Yes. It did such a, a number oh, on me. Oh, 100%. Like, it was just like, and it's not, it's so weird because it wasn't even about comparison, which at first I was like, what am I doing? Like, this is just more comparison. Hmm. But then I just realized that I was like, no, this is just representative of something that's more like me. And I think yeah. these women are beautiful. Yeah. But I wouldn't say that about myself. So it's like, well, what's wrong? What What's wrong with me and the, and the way I talk to myself? Right. That I would be willing to extend compliments to women who are my size, smaller, larger, etc. And I'm just like, oh, I like the way she wears that or I like the way she does that. Mm-hmm. But for so long, like my body doesn't look like most right. bodies in mainstream media. So I felt like an outlier. So it's, right. it's, it's, I, I love that certain women feel comfortable enough to put their bodies on yes. display. And I think that that's like another part of the representation conversation that it's really important because it's probably you know when you're not giving like that same love to yourself you're probably still frameworking yourself in the the imagery with what you grew up with yeah versus framing yourself in the imagery of being peers with women real women and these women and how beautiful all of that is like that is your frame of reference that you very much belong in rather than what you've always compared yourself to, right? Like, I don't know. And you know what I I really want us to be free from as women is a lot of, most of us have been bullied, whether it's by somebody in your immediate family or somebody you went to school with or a shitty partner or you, we develop this thing that we do and and men if you're listening or if you you have a partner or some somebody you care about who you're like no 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 my partner does this too and they're male like or they identify as male like I'd love to hear their perspective but something that I I've found that kind of is unique to women is that we try to like beat people to the punch mm. it's almost like there's this protectionism about our bodies where if we say like like I make a joke about my weight and mm. it's like, you might not even realize you're doing it, but it's like a, a way of like exercising control over the situation. Like if yeah. I can comment on the fact that I've put on weight before, like they, like it kind of cuts off their thought. Yeah. Or in like your I mind, just cut it off does. your sentence. No, 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 no. <laughs> I do it constantly. Um, but no, it's, it's, yeah, it's more like this idea that like, um, if I mention that I've put off, put on weight, then I've addressed it and maybe mm. they won't feel like they have to think about it. It's kind yeah, of like that. Totally, I, can, totally, totally. I can like yeah. thought police them. Totally. Yeah. And it's absolutely. like, and that's just shitty horrible. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's a weird thing to do because it, it, it's also, I mean, I just wish that we could just really free ourselves. And I try so often about like the thoughts that other people might be having while looking at you. Hmm. about you you know yeah well that's what I mean but that's that inner monologue that like fills in the blanks yeah and like that voice like the one who like saw me in the mirror at Target who's like being so mean yeah like that's not me yeah because I'm just out here trying to get some fucking laundry detergent (laughs) and get home because I got a client in 30 minutes yeah I'm not out here trying to tear myself down but like something inside of me is like there's a voice there's a familiarity in tearing myself down that if nobody else is around to do it right i'll do it myself and that's 
learned over a long time. It's like that fucking scene in Mean Girls that was so brilliant. And, like, I had never experienced it until a certain point in high school. And then she experiences it in the scene in Mean Girls where basically, like, all of the girls are looking at themselves in, in the mirror. And they're all, of course, beautiful young women. But they're like, oh, like, my nose is a little bit too large. And you're like, oh, I hate my armpits or, like, whatever. You know, like, coming up with whatever to talk about. And I remember that happening. So when I saw that scene in Mean Girls, I was like, And that shit gets in your head because it's like they're kind of tearing themselves down so that like they can get compliments almost so in a way in that scene, like, no, you're perfect, like you look great. So they need validation, validation, validation. But at the same time, they're like a seed gets planted that like there are tiny little parts of your body Mm -hmm. that have to be perfect. Yeah. Like all of it together has to be perfect. And there are like one thing that can be off. And 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 people are going to think about it. And there is this cultural agreement that we have that is like women, people, all of us, especially Western society with the advertising is that we have to be inherently unsatisfied or we wouldn't buy products. Yeah. But this has been especially geared toward women forever. Like just the basic smell of your vagina doing its job has been rendered like stinky so that they can smell you something or smell you. They can smell (laughs) you something and sell you smelling you something. But like even, um, Things that we we don't really need products for. We're yeah. being marketed products but for. But then those are also being sold. Like, think about, like, I mean, talk about public versus private bodies. Those are being sold by female bodies very much on display. On and fucking aren't billboards. And, and they aren't real. Yeah. And they're photoshopped. Like, it's not even a real depiction of, like, you know. But even, even if they were real a little bit like less photoshopped it's just giant female bodies on display everywhere it kind of just makes it seem like women are here to be looked at yeah and like scrutinized no matter what the like model look like even you know the horrid term plus size model um i hate that term because i just think it's bullshit uh models should just be models um but yeah I, i just think that the idea of just women here should be under scrutiny and the gaze of anybody is just, it makes me really uncomfortable because I, I'm just a person who doesn't like to be looked at very much. And I think that that sort of like judgment comes from that kind of society where you're just constantly like looking and judging and, and you're making judgments because you're like, do I want to buy this product based on what that person looks like? And so then that kind of translates into like social interaction in society and all of that shit and it's just a very much like image-based what you physically are and I just don't I don't like that yeah because it's shitty yeah that's why can't we just look at your soul and say like this is how I feel about you I don't know I feel like we're all gonna spend the rest of our lives figuring it out and yeah. sometimes we'll be good at it and sometimes we won't be very good at it and that's just going to be the dance we do and hopefully you're kinder to yourself more often than you're not yeah and I mean I would say you know as we wrap up like enjoy the private times with your body and yes I do mean masturbation but I also mean just like <laughs> hanging out with your body like yeah in, in ways that you're comfortable that's not under public scrutiny and that just like you just get to appreciate it and what it's doing and being alive in it and all of those things. Like, I don't know. I just think that 
sometimes we neglect doing that and just kind of are in our bodies in more of a public way. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not like present with your body. Yeah. And really kind of praising it for the things that it does that are not really performative, but even just functional. Right. Or even, you know, just like playing with it and having fun, you know, like in private. Yeah. (laughs) Masturbatory moments. Very masturbatory moments. Or, you know, whatever. If you enjoy like, you know, grabbing your belly fat or playing Mm -hmm. with your pinky toe, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like looking and enjoying the like things about your body that aren't up for societal scrutiny. Yeah. I had a boyfriend one time in junior high, fifth grade, who told me he could, his mom taught him, fifth grade, Hmm. to tell whether or not a woman's uh, boobs are natural or if she'd gotten implants by if she lays on her back, they'll roll into her armpits. Uh One of my favorite things in the world to this day is like when I lay down, I'm just like, roll to the side. Roll to the side. And I'm just like, gravity. (laughs) it's, It's not... See, that's a fun thing that you get to do alone with your body and not think about anybody looking at it. No, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. I love that. They are not buoyant. (laughs) Maybe they are. I don't know. I'm not in situations with water very often. Um, (laughs) This has been uh, quite the podcast. Yeah. Nice times. Yeah. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to us yet again. Yeah. Happy to have you. Like I said, whether this is your first time around or you're a repeat listener. Uh, thanks for thanks for spending time with us. You can check us out online at shamepod.com or on the socials. At shamepod. At shamepod. And um, then you can also email us, shamepod please. at gmail.com. If please you email us. have ideas um, suggestions. about future episodes, yeah, suggestions, Feedback. something we got wrong, correct us, please. Yeah. Tell we us what you hate, what you love, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, God willing and the creek don't rise, we will uh, see, see you next, next Tuesday. Tuesday. Bye. Bye.